0: What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We have a big show lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about the Nets in chaos. The team firing their head coach, possibly pursuing a currently suspended head coach, and a lot of issues regarding their all-star starting point guard, Kyrie Irving. So we'll be talking about that at the top of the show. Also, some, some major news happening in the NFL regarding the Washington Commanders. Daniel Snyder, the team owner, opening up the process of beginning to explore selling the team. Meanwhile, a investigation being launched by the U.S. Attorney's Office into potential financial improprieties by the Washington Commanders and Daniel Snyder. So major stuff happening in the nation's capital regarding the football team. What else is new when it comes to that clown show that is the Washington Commanders? And we're talking plenty of other NFL stuff, stuff more on the field. There's a big NFL trade deadline Several pretty big names were on the move. T.J. Hawkinson going to the Vikings. Naheem Hines going to the Bills. Bradley Chubb going to Miami. Claypool goes to the Bears. Rokon Smith, the guy who talked a lot about wanting to be traded, now finally on the move. He's going to the Ravens. So we'll break down the NFL trade deadline and some of the things we've been seeing on the football field as we kind of hit the halfway point of the NFL season. And the college football playoff rankings are revealed. We'll give you guys our thoughts on... If they got it right and preview the big matchup between what is now officially the number one and number three teams in the country regarding the, in, in, in regards to the college football playoff. Tennessee ranked number one, Georgia ranked number three. Those two will go at it in Athens in a marquee major matchup in the SEC East this Saturday. So... A lot to talk about on this uh, show today. Joining me is my co-host Shamari Stewart. Shamari's back this week as this is a more football-centric show that we will be talking net soon. Sham, good to have you back, man.
1: Uh, thanks, EJ. Glad to be back. Um, you know, always happy to jump on Sports Talk, you know, talk some football, uh, maybe talk some basketball as well. And um, yeah, happy to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Always good to have Shamari on. Shamari, of big football fan, but, you know, has definitely been paying attention to the stuff going on with the Brooklyn Nets. So let's start right there. So the Nets have parted ways with head coach Steve Nash as the team has struggled to a 2-5 and five start under the Hall of Fame point guard. They then lost again last night as we record the show on Wednesday night, November 2nd. So they are now 2-6 and six overall in the season, 2-5 and five under Nash. So he gets the boot. The team has already been in a state of chaos for much of this young season that only got worse when Star Guard Kyrie Irving shared a link to a movie featuring anti-Semitic content. Two weeks prior, the Guard also shared a video from far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones about the existence of so-called secret societies that are apparently running the United States. Many of those theories also have anti-Semitic tropes in them. And he was finally asked to talk about it a couple of days ago. And it led to what was a pretty contentious eight-minute press conference that we saw and also led to a pretty contentious showdown, so to speak, or exchange with ESPN's Nick Friedle. I do want to play uh, that clip for you guys just so you have the full context, at least of just this exchange that happened. It's about a two-minute clip of uh, Nick Friedle of ESPN who covers the Nets as a beat writer and Kyrie Irving explaining his rationale behind sharing the Alex Jones post and the anti-Semitic movie. So here is that clip. Kyrie, while we're on the topic
2: of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma, or parents that had to relive trauma, or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that uh, tragic event. My, my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. So I wasn't identifying with anything of being a, campaign, a campaignist for Alex Jones or anything. I was just there to post, and it's funny. And it's actually hilarious because out of all the things I posted that day, that was the one post that everyone chose to, chose to see. It just goes back to the way our world is and works. I'm not here to complain about it. I just exist. And to follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Put it out on your platform. But I'm promoting it? Do you see me doing, do you see Why me in front of the it out there, the people title? are going to say that you are yeah, promoting. Yeah, put it out there just like you put things out there, right? Yeah, but I okay, it's not you put stuff, things out there for a living, right? Right, but my Great. stuff is Great. not so let's move on. filled let's with anti stuff. Let's move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm not. I'm not doing I'm that. You're free to thing. post. I what, can post whatever I want. So say what, that and shut it down and move on to the next question. But Kyrie, you have to understand that by I don't have post, to understand anything from you. But, it's nothing. not me. Nothing. No people what that what you're making you did, up, bro. Move on. But by posting what you did, move on. Next question. Any questions? Do you guys have any more it, questions? And they're going to say, You guys have any more questions? Because this, be this is going to be a clip that he's going to marvel at. Is this any more questions? But you're not answering the question. No, this, this is another answering your question. Oh my God. Let's make another Instagram clip so we could be famous again. Next question. Kyrie, basketball related. So
0: that was the exchange between Nick Friedell and Kyrie Irving. We have not heard from Kyrie Irving since that exchange. The posting question. The Alex Jones post, I believe, was an Instagram story. So, of course, that's already disappeared. But the, the, the tweet in question, which had the um, the Hebrews to Negroes video that he posted, that tweet has been deleted. Um, there have been reports that Kyrie Irving has been, or at least his camp, has been in some kind of communication with the Nets and the Anti-Defamation League regarding the situation. What I found interesting, Sham, is uh, apparently the Anti-Defamation League, according to Stephen Bondi, has not directly speak spoken to Kyrie Irving in these in this communication that's been happening with his camp and with the Nets. Apparently Kyrie's father and Kyrie's stepmother and agent have met with the ADL but not Kyrie Irving. Um Kyrie also in that in that presser said that, you know, he can post whatever he wants, which he kind of heard in that in that in that speech that he gave right there at the end. Um, he also said that uh, he's not a stand on what he believes and that he's, you know, he's unafraid because he had, quote, an army around him. So this is kind of just devolved into a ultimate just disaster for the Nets and to make things even more complicated. The Nets, as they have now fired Steve Nash, are looking for a new head coach. And all signs point to Celtics suspended head coach Ime Udoka as being the likely replacement for Steve Nash, Ime Udoka took the Celtics of the championship last year. Um, they lost in the finals to the Golden State Warriors, but that was only his first year. He did take them to the NBA finals. He was a former Nets assistant under Steve Nash, so he has familiarity with some of the players, with the organization. But he had been suspended for a season because of, quite frankly, something that I don't think we all still quite understand exactly what happened, but there was some kind of violation of team and, and, and team policy that involved a relationship an inappropriate relationship they had with a coworker who was deemed a, subor- insub- uh, a subordinate to his, and and he was deemed to uh, have to be suspended for a year because of this. Now there was word that this could have been a consensual relationship. Then there's also word that there might have been sexual harassment and unwanted comments from him prior or after. It's all very murky. But this is a dude who's been on the shelf. It was supposed to be on the shelf for a year. That now the Nets are saying in this media firestorm that this is the guy we need to lead our basketball team at this moment in time, as we are spiraling just weeks into the NBA season. So, Shamari, I tried to uh, you know lay out kind of just the the background of what this happened. I have a lot to say on this, but just any any thoughts
1: on on any of this, maybe particularly with the Kyrie Irving angle of this. Uh, well, Kyrie Irving. I mean, I've You know, as as you said at the top of the show, EJ, I haven't been following his saga as closely. I've been following his net saga, which has been a complete mess. But from what I've, from the little bit that I did, I, you know, did see and did hear about, uh, he's been a mess for a very long time and not just on the nets um, for various different things. Uh, Now, when it comes to this specific uh, issue, uh, it seems very much in the, you know Kanye West lane of mm-hmm. of just being very ignorant and uh, and uh, not caring about about um, about other people I, don't, I mean that's right there's, there's not much you know there's not much else I can really say about that and you know I think anyone making apologies for Kyrie Irving and Kanye West um, uh, you know are wrong I think it's morally wrong I think you know, having people like, you know, Kanye West and Kyrie Irving that have, you know, that are, quote, looked up to by others and have so much influence. Yeah. It's sad. Uh, you know, he's a grown man. Uh, you know, he's formed his opinions on, you know, uh, you know, Jewish people and, and uh, you know, you know, secret societies or whatever it is that he believes, in, whatever it is that he believes in. And, uh, you know, he's got to accept responsibility for those things. And he accepted responsibility for not being vaccinated last, you know, last year. He didn't play uh, a lot of the games. And this is this is, you know, who he is. Yeah. This is what he believes. You know, I don't know what the ant- you know, I, and I definitely appreciate, of course, the Anti-Defamation League wanting to reach out to him and such. Of course, they they should do that. um, uh, But the responsibility falls on. On the nets and the NBA uh, to, you know, it's like, what, what, what do you stand? What do you stand for? What do you, what, what are your, what, what does your organization represent? What does it stand for? Right? Like this man is representing your organization, uh, in a very public manner. And he is many would argue the face of your organization. Yeah. And he's saying these things. He is one of the faces of the NBA. And he's saying and doing these things on his social media. Um, he does not have the quote unquote right to be in the NBA. He does not have the quote unquote right to be a Brooklyn net. <laughs> you know, I'm sure of course there are contracts and such that, you know, would need to be in and those are things that can be worked out if they didn't want to keep him around, I'm sure. Um mm-hmm. but but you know, they could there are they have options, they don't need to just capitulate to whatever it is that he, he wants to say and do. Right. So yeah. no action has been taken. And that says a lot about the Nets and the league. I mean, just keeping it real, just keeping it about, that's just, that's what it tells me is very sad, very disheartening. You know, that among the, just add that to the list of other things that are very sad and disheartening um, in the world that we live in today in 2022. So that, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. uh, not to be a so, told so Donner, but that's honestly how I feel about this Kyrie Irving situation. It's horrible. It's very sad, and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, there are some kind of consequences for the things that he's, you know, I, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would never imagine something like this just being, well, oh, this is just what it is. I would never imagine that this is where we are, but that's where we are, so. Um, and as, as far as uh, Ime Udoka, I mean, it just, you know, the Nets are, it just goes back to the Nets kind of just being a very chaotic uh, organization, Ime Joka I don't, you know, I'm a little more hands off with may I don't know exactly what happened, or right. like you said, it's a a lot of details that we just don't have. It seems like a very bad situation, um, or at least a very just a terrible look for any any you know professional organization. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, but you know, the Nets don't seem to care, or they or they seem desperate enough and. And to be in, you know, morally, uh, you know, they they don't really care about those those things apparently with all this Kyrie and KD's antics and all this other stuff. So you know they're willing to scoop up Eme and give him however much money, you know, they're willing to give him. Uh, so that I feel like that's just kind of the state of things. I think Eme being on the Nets would help the Nets. I don't know how much, I don't know how much because the Nets are such a mess, but yeah, um, but I think it would help. Uh, so. Uh, so, yeah, those are those are my thoughts on that situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, quickly on Udoka, because like you said, uh, there, there there is not enough information to really pierce through kind of what to take of it. It it, it looks very odd to me to jump to not not odd from a basketball standpoint. The guy is an amazing head coach. Uh, He was with the organization before. He's familiar with the team. All that makes sense. He would have been in a vacuum, the perfect person to take over for Dean Nash. It does look very odd for a team that has such bad culture issues, ironically, that they would go to the guy who had to be suspended from his team for a year for some kind of improper behavior. Maybe we'll learn that the improper behavior, maybe by the court of public appeal, won't seem as bad. When we learn more, but one thing I will say is now we have to know more. Like in some ways, I feel like the Nets actually took the any there was. You know, we talked about this ironically last time we talked about basketball with you, Shane. I think this was during a Udoka thing, um, and there was the idea that the Celtics had to say more and don't. We need to learn more information. In some ways, I feel like this kind of takes the onus almost off the Celtics. Like now, Celtics letting him go for nothing, not asking for compensation, tells me all they need to know about what they feel about Udoka. So now it's on the Nets. It's like, all right, well, why do, you, why do you think this guy is worth um, taking the chance on uh, having now only missed seven games of NBA season? We're talking about a lengthy suspension he's supposed to have. He's basically not going to deal with that. Like, if he's hired in 48 hours, which is what Woj was saying, then he'll be on the sidelines, you know, this weekend. So uh, essentially a slap on the wrist and a new contract and a new lease on life in the NBA, uh, why do you feel like he's worth this given what he's accused of, what exactly was he accused of? So. That has to be sorted out. I'm going to leave that there for now until we learn more. On the Kyrie thing, um, you talked a lot about like morality. And when I woke up this morning, I felt a sense of anger, honestly. Because I, you know, Sham, I love the NBA. Um, I love the sport mm-hmm. of basketball. I've loved the sport of basketball since I was five, six years old. Playing it, watching it, it's just, it's, I don't know. I, have a, I feel like I have a special relationship to the game. And the NBA obviously (laughs) means as much to the game as anything, you know, literally anything. So it's it's the the most prominent professional league associated with the sport of basketball. So in turn, I care a lot about the NBA and the lack of care I've seen for the NBA by the NBA, by Adam Silver, by the Brooklyn Nets, by Joseph Tsai, the owner of the Nets is grotesque it disgusts me and it really kind of leaves me kind of just speechless and kind of just honestly hopeless in regards to like where future leadership stands with the nba because it's sad i gotta turn on inside the nba or this was before inside the nba you know so the tip off show on tnt at Mm -hmm. seven o'clock and the first commentary i get to hear from any prominent now, former players. I couldn't even get a current player because no current player said anything. Former players were from, and I do want to give credit to Richard Jefferson because on the on the broadcast yes. for that game, he did mention you know, that this, you know, why does he have this tweet up? Like, what's he doing? Like, he really he's messed up. So I want to give him credit too. But outside of that, because he's doing a game, so he has to comment on it. Outside of him, no real major commentary from any prominent f- current player. Then I got to wait for a former player. By seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, for Shaq and Charles Barkley to call Kyrie Irving what he is—he's an idiot—and he's an idiot that is ruining the standing that the NBA has in regards to bringing people together, the joy that people have watching this sport and watching these great athletes do what they do. He is ruining that by his own selfish actions, and the fact that this league has is so is so morally bankrupt. That they don't have the gall to say, you know what, sorry Kyrie Irving, we do not stand for your foolishness any longer. You're going to have to take some bread, you're going to have to take a seat for a while. Because enough's enough. And the fact that this team, this team, now Sy put out a tweet that did mention Kyrie Irving. The team doesn't put out a statement mentioning Kyrie Irving. The league doesn't put out a statement mentioning Kyrie Irving. They put out a statement saying, oh, we don't like anti Semitism. Duh. I would hope <laughs> that you don't like anti Semitism.
1: Yeah, I would hope yeah. that.
0: That feels very surface level. That's that feels very
1: easy. That's something you say when you when you don't know what to say. That's not right. something you say when you want to make a statement.
0: Right. We
1: don't like anti Semitism. Okay.
0: So what? <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? And we've seen essentially no action by the NBA on this situation with Irving and these posts and it is just dumbfounded because I'm seeing you know other commentators who you know they're, they're, they're sports fans they love the NBA too but maybe they don't love as much as I do and and they're saying you know they're looking at the NBA saying man the NBA looks really hypocritical when we talk about you know how they got rid of Sarver which they kind of did but you know we kind of know they kind of the players certainly pushed them out how they got rid of Sterling Um, how they've um, aggressively handled issues of racism in their league or in America as a whole. We saw all the demonstrations and all the action they did in 2020. This league looks morally bankrupt and morally hypocritical to have Kyrie Irving posting this garbage and doing nothing about it, not suspending him, not disciplining him. They can't even get him to sit down with any of these group's to actually, talk about why his stuff was wrong, and I sit there and I'm like, "Yo, like I I can't like I defend this league a lot because this league gets a lot of crap from people. There is zero defense for how the NBA has handled Kyrie Irving. There's zero defense for how the Nets have handled Kyrie Irving. Yep, they look cowardly. They look cowardly, and I'm seeing just the the hurt that these words mm-hmm. and and this movie and this book, the hurt that it, it is bringing to." all people but obviously particularly the Jewish community and you kind of for you shouldn't forget, but I i, I think it's kind of a you know, it's been eye opening to kind of sit back and look at his commentary and see, Oh wow, that's right. That person that covers the NBA is Jewish. Oh wow, yes, that person also is Jewish yeah. and they're talking about how that affects them. Oh, here's Rich Eisen they're having a very, you know, very like emotional kind of commentary about how his family, you know, he's descendants of people from the Holocaust and here's Kyrie Irving presenting garbage that's saying that the Holocaust didn't exist now I'm sitting here being like what the F are you guys doing what like does Kyrie Irving have some kind of blackmail on you guys does Kyrie Irving have some kind of dirt Do he hang out with Dan Snyder and and he he called the same private investigators to say you know they can't do nothing to me because I got all this dirt on the league like what's going on the NBA Players Association this guy is your executive vice president what are you doing putting out statements saying we are against anti-Semitism? The guy who leads your group is part of your squad. He's the one who did it. You can't even name him by name. And it's leaving me frustrated because like, all of the great work we've seen the NBA do over the last few years, I think a lot of the great work we've seen from Adam Silver, it feels like every day that goes by that they just let this crap sit doing nothing. It just slowly chips away at all that work and all the people who look at and say, oh, see, they weren't really about that life. They really were about other things. They're not really um, about social justice change. They're they're just, you know, they're phonies. Because that's what they look like. They look like phonies. And it makes me sick that we have nobody in the league. We don't have any stars in this league that can stand up and say, what Kyrie did was wrong. I stand with the Jewish community and we can't have this in our league. It's not hard. Yeah. And it makes me, it's sad, Shamari, because, you know, obviously I do this podcast, you do this podcast, we're both black men. Yep. And I sit around and I see all these black men look at this guy going crazy and they can't say nothing. Yep. And it makes me wonder, are, are you are you guys anti-Semites? Like, do you guys have, do you agree with what he has to say? And I know it may seem unfair to say, well, you know, Kyrie speaks for himself and, you know, it shouldn't be for other people to 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 have to speak for him. I'm not asking for that. All I'm asking for is people to say just like they did with Robert Sarver, just like they did with, with Robert uh, with uh with uh with Donald Sterling, just like they mm-hmm. did with the homeboy that that was the, the announcer for the Kings that said all lives matter, and the NBA players said no, nah, we can't stand for this. They got that dude out of there in a the millisecond. Yep. All I'm asking for is someone to say, yo, we saw this thing and we don't stand with this at all. We love our Jewish fans, we love the Jewish community, and we're gonna work towards. A better understanding for all because we can't have this. But when you see this kind of crap and see nothing, nobody wants to say anything. I just see a bunch of cowards. And 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 it makes me sick. It makes me sick because there's real damage being done to the league and there's real damage being done to the sport. And the short-sightedness of everyone involved, of just trying to just survive the day, that's what it feels like. They're just trying to survive the day, survive the media storm, and hope this just passes. Every time, every minute they do that, they do damage to the league. And if they keep doing it, it's going to be irreparable. Somebody has to get some heart, get some guts, and stand up and be a man or a woman. Whoever, I mean, because there are women, obviously, in, in, in the league offices as well. Somebody has to say, this is
1: unacceptable. And the fact that we haven't had that is just an embarrassment. And it's sad, because because for someone like me, quite frankly, who, you know, would like to... Because to, to, I, cause I, I do enjoy, you know, knowing that these, you know, a, a league that I watch takes part in different things like charity and upholding values, like like, you know, just basic morality, like supporting, you know... Social equal rights under the law for for people of all different races, ethnicities, religious backgrounds, etc., and being active in those in those types of causes. I think it's good that leads do that, and it makes me feel more comfortable, uh, you know, engaging in their content, supporting their content, you know, knowing the NBA, and. The Brooklyn Nets especially. I'm I'm not going to the next game. (laughs) Uh, Certainly not this season if I was ever even considering it, but now certainly I'm I'm going to to the next game. And, like, you know, knowing that the league, you know, doesn't really care um, or doesn't care enough to even really give a real statement on it um, and cares more, in my opinion, about, you know, about Kyrie's supposed army. Kyrie and his in his whatever army he he claims to have, a uh, people that would also I guess I don't know what they think not watch the NBA or engage with the NBA if Kyrie isn't in it, or something I don't know which I I don't think the amount of people is even as big as as he's making it out to be or that the NBA maybe
0: champ champ Kyrie missed a half a season last
1: year nobody cared nobody cared nobody cared.
0: NBA, NBA nobody went on was everything him. was fine we get yeah, back asking, yo when does this guy kind of get a, a shot so we can people play people
1: outside of Barclays right you know moving you know gates or whatever doing whatever craziness right. they were doing that was it that was it the nba went on everybody watched the games they didn't lose all the revenue you know like similar to the whole you know uh the, the uh kaepernick situation people are like oh i'm not watching the nfl as long as people are kneeling and the nfl's fine the nfl didn't yep. go under nothing happened to the nfl you know like what is the nba so scared of all of a sudden so it shows you that they that they don't care. I mean, I mean honestly, that's what it says. It says they don't care. They just want to keep Kyrie happy. They think Kyrie is connected to some kind of. I guess he brings in a lot of money for them. I guess uh, you know it's just it seems morally bankrupt, and uh, it doesn't make you proud to watch the NBA or proud to support the NBA. It makes you feel the opposite. You know, it's like oh what ooh what is this the anti-Semitism and they're not yeah and they're not doing anything about it, the Nets aren't doing anything about it, and the league isn't doing anything about it, like, wow, you know, I would have never, like I said, like, like you said, like, the Donald Sterling, all these other things, or even like, again, like 10, 15 years ago, this would have been like, no, no, you're out yeah. for saying something like that, or, or putting up putting whatever tweet or whatever about something like this. Like, no, we're not, no, we're absolutely not going to support. Now, it's like, oh, it's like, uh, it's, It's sad, man. It's really sad. It really
0: is. Yeah, it is. And and I'm embarrassed to be an NBA fan today, to be honest.
1: And and
0: and, and, last thing on Kyrie Irving, as I said before, man, just, he's a a weak person. You know, to, to, to go up there and ask you questions about stuff that you posted and you want to get into a semantics argument about what promotion means, what promotion doesn't mean. You don't actually ever speak about what you actually believe in. Like, Kyrie. He doesn't care about the people he's hurting. He no, he doesn't, and he said that he earlier. Cares. I think he made a comment yeah. earlier in that in that presser where he was like, you know, oh, if care. if if you didn't understand it, then it probably wasn't for you. That's yeah, what did. that yeah, see, that was kind of commentary he said. Like he's he is um he he's a a narcissistic yeah,
1: uh, yeah he Him and he's Kanye narcissistic, the same
0: yeah he's a narcissistic person, and I I just it's it's just dumbfounding to me just how 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 weak he is. You know, like, this is someone who who claims to be the voice of the voiceless, but the minute people actually want to hear what he has to say, he don't got nothing to say. He wants to talk about the semantics of promotion. He wants to send his dad to go talk to the Anti-Defamation League. He doesn't actually want to say anything, you know? And he wants to, again, like, that. I'm sorry, that clip was so annoying. Him talking about, oh, you know, people only looked at, you know, this one quote that I did and not all the other things I posted. It's like, well, yeah, if you post something that is outlandish
1: and offensive
0: yeah sorry dude that's what people are yeah, going to ask hate, about
1: that's going to get the front page
0: yeah this like. idea that oh well i posted five other things that were you know about kittens and about you know uh you know feed the hungry uh, and why didn't nobody talked about that it's like well yeah because we all support that and we all love that you do that but here's this other thing that's very detrimental and maybe you should consider not doing it and he don't even want to discuss it or the minute he, he comes into some kind of argument about it he wants to get defensive and say he's being
1: dehumanized
0: like, uh, stop it, dude! Dehumanized for asking you a like, question about why you posted asking, something. What
1: are you talking about? Dehumanized. <laughs> it's
2: like, he's a like, clown, it's
1: man. Crazy, weird victimhood. Like, it's just crazy. Well, he is a martyr. He's a martyr complex. Yeah, he's a, a martyr. martyr. I, be, I saw it's it last year with the
0: with the with the vaccine thing. I've seen it since honestly since he left Cleveland, and 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 this to me now the ultimate part where here's a guy. Who you know threw a grenade, and and now you know people are like, "Yo, man, you threw a grenade," and he's like, "Oh, well, I mean, what what do you mean? I I, didn't, I don't know what's going on. Why am I being persecuted? Like, he's just a clown. And like, I, if I was a Nets fan, I'd be I'd be sick that this guy's on my team. I don't care how good he is. And before that terrible performance he had last night, the guy individually was just lighting it up. I mean, he was offensively completely engaged and was uh just a terror in terms of being able to cover this guy he was averaging 30 points but i'd be embarrassed to have this guy on my team like it's just it's just yep. sick and and it, it, it's embarrassing that there's nobody on that Nets roster that kevin durant can't say anything like he's supposed to be the leader of the team and he's like oh this didn't affect us this only affected you guys i'm like really even if that's true really so this guy is something that People are, are everybody saying it's really offensive and that it's hurting people. People that for a community that you play for. Newsflash: Brooklyn has a lot of Jewish people. <laughs> Newsflash: Kevin Durant. Newsflash: The people in that organization. There's a Jewish people the in biggest, the organization. A lot of the biggest NBA fans I've known have been, have been Jewish people. Of course, and a lot and of Jewish and people watch the NBA. And you're saying, well, that didn't impact us at all. We that's just for you guys on the outside. Again, it makes me ask. Okay, well, do you agree with what he said? Because if, it, cause if This is causing this massive media storm. And we asked you, did it impact you guys in the locker room? You say, no. I'm like, again, we talk about morally bankrupt. Some sick stuff happening in Brooklyn, man. It's really, it's really sick. And and, and, and and it's, if it was just Brooklyn, it was just, uh, if it was just, uh, you know, contained to that clown show, I would be laughing. I'd be having all these funny, you know, uh, sound bites to be playing during this. I would not be taking this as serious as I am. But this is Excellent. now impacting the entire league and the entire sport. Because these idiots
1: can't get their act together. And EJ, one thing I want to emphasize that you said that I think is so true is that we there, we need more solidarity. You know, like with the Jewish community. Like there's Absolutely. so much silence from everybody else. It just makes you feel 10 times worse. I'm like everybody, no one's saying anything. No one is saying anything. And it is, it is, it makes your stomach turn.
0: And it's that, tough that because, no again, as black men on this show, like, I have seen, obviously not all Jewish people. Every sect has people who agree with certain things or disagree with certain things, who are supportive in some things and not supportive in other things. Or just sects within the community that are supportive of some things and other things. But we know a lot of Jewish support that was happening during the protests of 2020 we saw that yep i'm not asking for a lot to say hey i think you guys should say what Kyrie did was wrong and i don't know name him say what he did like i'm not even asking for a lot and i'm asking not just for you should want to do it just for like you said the solidarity with the jewish community but then let's get beyond that how about trying to save your league you don't care. You care that little about the NBA and the future of the sport that you're like, no, nah, I'm going to let this just sit out and just wait this out and see what happens. It's, it's terrible. It's yep. terrible. It, may, it makes me sick. Let's move on. Let's get to talking some football. So big news happening in the NFL. Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder is exploring a sale of the team after hiring Bank of America Securities to explore potential transactions involving the Commanders. Meanwhile, ESPN is reporting that the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia has opened a criminal investigation into allegations of financial improprieties. The inquiry was apparently triggered by a House Committee on Oversight and Reform letter that alleged deceptive business practices. And that committee had been investigating the Washington commanders for several months now. They've been trying to get Snyder to come in and testify. He hasn't wanted to. It's been a whole ordeal. And that related to a lot of the sexual harassment stuff that they dealt with that involved Dan Snyder getting fined $10 million and him having to be suspended for the season as well. Uh, some of those deceptive alleged business practices that were deemed uh, deceptive included withholding ticket revenue from visiting teams and refundable deposits from fans. Uh, that committee outlined through testimony of former employees and access to emails and documents, a pattern of financial impropriety by Dan Snyder and team executives. So, uh, obviously some, some very serious stuff there, Sham. So it's taking the the, the, the part with the, the Daniel Snyder apparent shift because he had been steadfast in saying that I am not going to sell the team. I'm going to do anything I can to, to, to keep this team. I love this team, and you no, know, this team is not for sale, which is similar stuff we heard to him when it came to the name change, that he was never going to change the name. And that eventually changed once we started seeing sponsors start to pull out and say we just we had enough we're not doing this anymore and then he decided to then look into changing the name and well, I don't know we really had sponsors coming out saying we're not dealing with you guys anymore but we we had we did have um to his credit Jim Merce Cowisco say, yo, this guy can't be an owner like it's just, he can't be an owner anymore, which is wild 'cause Jim Jimmerse is not exactly uh the the standard bearer for you know moral, uh, moral standing in the NFL, <laughs> but even he said, "Yo, this is this is crazy. I don't care if he's got something on me because the whole allegation was that, like I said earlier, that he had been hiring private investigators to get dirt on other NFL owners to kind of pressure them into not making him sell the team." So Ursay said what he had to say. Of course, there's been these various investigations um, by the league now by this uh, and, and the, the inquiry by the house committee and now a criminal investigation by the u.s attorney in the eastern district of virginia um sham i, I think are you confident that this will end the sale of the washington commanders at this point
1: yes actually uh, i i am that's that's where all the tea leaves are saying um this feels like an issue that has just reached the end of its rope You know this is and it's you know i think snyder knows and we all know this isn't going away you know the he's being investigated by uh you know like you said the u.s attorney it's just you know everyone thinks he's just he's just gross and just a slime ball um and this, and it's not controversial to think that. I think most people, th- I think, I think most people th- just want him gone. You know, like who wants to, who wants a guy like this with all this scandal and all this stuff around him? Like, just get him out of here. And he's just an owner. He's not, he's not even a player. He's not someone that you that you see you, that anyone would have any reason to root for. You just know, get this guy out of here. No one, no one has any reason to root for this guy. You know, he has plenty of money. No one's trying to take away all of his money or anything like that. He could be a billionaire somewhere else just just get him out of the NFL, you know? So uh yeah, I think he knows this is over. He doesn't have any support. You know, no one's backing him. I don't know if he has you know a camp or like, you know, a side that that for for anyone to support. Like it's just hit just all these allegations of his gross misconduct and investigations that are being <laughs> that are being pursued um or hush money being paid to various different people or or people being paid off for various different things or lawsuits and just ne- constant negativity from, uh, from him. And it is now very public, right? So you can't... It's not like this is a private situation where he's privately paying people to make things go away. Like, no, it's public and he's being investigated and it's just... Yeah. It's bad for everybody involved. So, yeah, I, I think this is... I think this is gonna end with him him just him just going away and hoping that you know he doesn't get in too much trouble for it or you know whatever trouble he gets in is something that he can resolve with money I think (laughs) or something that he hopes that he would be able to resolve with money but that's it I think that's how this is going to end and we'll finally be able to move on because I've I've been tired of hearing about this guy and all this craziness (laughs) with the commanders you know maybe they can get some kind of stability in the owner from the owner's uh perspective um so yeah i think this is coming to an
0: end yeah i think the end is near you know a lot of times you know where there's smoke there's fire and you know you know some people are saying well you know could it potentially be where he's you know interested in giving a minority stake up nobody wants to be in business with dan snyder like <laughs> who at this point in time yeah. is gonna say I mean, see everything on. that's happening a criminal investigation into this guy and say you know what Yeah, I want to be business partners with this guy where he has the majority stake in the team. Now, if he's taking this step, he's taking this step because he realizes that his goose is cooked. Um, He's played every hand that he has. That included potential extortion, apparently. Uh, It included various different um, ways of dodging the House committee. He he has tried it all. And he's met his end's road. And he is now seeing that with the fan base so disengaged... I mean, Sham, I mean, you know, my, uh, you know, of course my girlfriend, her family's from the DMV and her, you know, her, her family, they're they're Washington football fans, you know, at, at, at the core. They used to be, mm-hmm. you know, season ticket holders. And to see, you know, her brother is still a big fan, but to see just the general apathy around this franchise at this point in time from the rest of the family and from a lot of people that are in that community, I mean, Washington football was just everything in dc you know what i'm saying like this is a, a extremely proud organization they won super bowls um they were in you know obviously a very competitive division that was very prideful and to see how they've just completely deteriorated into something that is just honestly like disgusting you know when you think not just of what they've been on the field but some of the stuff we've seen off the field it's it's it's, it's sad to see like like and it's interesting. A lot of people have said, you know, the kind of the sneaky secret I've heard has been, um, oh, well, maybe the owners don't want to push Snyder to sell because, you know, that's one bad team in the league and that makes it easier for everybody else because they're so non-competitive. And to a point, I kind of I get why someone would maybe come to that hypothesis, but the Washington market means so much to the NFL and means so much to sports, at least it should, that to risk... That so that you can get a couple of wins a season or another win in a season when you play against the commanders, that never made any sense to me. I don't know why it took there this long, then this long to have this much pressure. I'm glad finally someone, you know, when she group stepped up and said, You know what, I don't care what they're going to find on me, we can't have this guy anymore. But it's a, it's hopefully the beginnings of a new day in Washington, you know. Um, they're a stadium that's in disrepair. I mean, I don't know if you watch some of the stuff from FedEx Field, but whether it be the field conditions, whether it be, you know, facades crashing onto the field and, and in the promenade. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like it's just, like, like the Washington Commanders are run by a slumlord. And the league allowing it to be on, go on for this long has been already a disappointment. So the fact that this is, is, I think, coming to an end is good. I don't think that it was coincidence that they the team made this announcement that they were exploring potential transactions with the team which everyone is saying means that they're going to look to sell the team. And then this report comes out on the same day that the that the Eastern District is is investigating them for crimes. <laughs> like that like I I don't I wasn't born yesterday. I thought it was very I was surprised that even Snyder would have announced in that way that they were going to be selling the team. I thought he would have probably done it more quietly. The fact that it was so bold and out there, and ahead of ahead of this investigation drop, makes me feel like okay. He, once this happened, he knew like we gotta get this thing out there immediately, and maybe get people kind of away from this criminal investigation I'm dealing with, and have people relieved that you no, know, I I will now sell the team. But man, he want to talk about one of the worst owners in the history of sports. I mean Snyder's gotta be up there, man. Like all the Absolutely. losing, all of the the uh incompetence all of the harassment of 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 of, you know female employees just nasty work all around and i i hope that dan snyder never is involved with sports ever again on any level i hope he's never involved with uh with with women particularly on any level after what what happened with a lot of those um terrible harassment claims and lawsuits and allegations and fines and suspensions like you just, this guy like you're a billionaire be happy to be one go on a yacht and enjoy the rest of your life and just go away i i, I hope we never see this guy again
1: i mean i'm right there with you um i you know for me and and not to you know do too much of a crossover hero talk i get a lot of oswald Cobblepot vibes from this guy right yeah um, you know, making comparison to the penguin in, in Batman <laughs> for yeah, any, anyone uh, that I, I see that familiar with that. So, um, so yeah, just you know, just a very slimy character that I think the league is just better off. Just I think everyone agrees. I think even he's starting to agree like, 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 I think this has run its course, and it's time for everyone to move on.
0: What do we do about this idea that these terrible owners who are doing potential criminal action or, at at the very least, very uh, improper conduct, that they can own these teams, people say, hey, you know, enough is enough. You can't be the owner for whatever reason. And that they're able to then cash out on what have been billion-dollar payouts, essentially, to go away. Like you had, you know, Snyder got a couple billion. Sarver is about to get a couple billion. I mean, Daniel Snyder, for an NFL team and and a Washington football team, I I know the, the team is in bad shape. But still, I would expect the commanders to command, no pun intended, at least five or six billion dollars on an open market if that's how this ended up being which i'm assuming it would be like i don't know if there's anything that anything to change here but it just doesn't seem to sit right with with me and i think a lot of people that these owners can do all this terrible stuff and they could just walk away with you know three four five six seven billion dollars and go on maybe maybe it doesn't matter to somebody that's that rich maybe it's not maybe it's not as important but you know for us other folk who don't have that kind of concept of money or that understanding of how much money that is. It just does seem like a a kind of a bittersweet end to all of this. Whenever he does get this payout.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's very, uh, yeah. For someone, for, you know, and and there's just different rules for people that have that kind of money. Um, you know, uh, it's just kind of an unfortunate reality. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other, Well, not a lot, but I'm sure there are other owners that are involved in things that are, if not outright illegal, um, legally precarious or morally, if not just morally wrong. Yeah, Jerry Jones has been in court for
0: various different issues. You know, Robert Kraft had his massage parlor situation. So he he was not criminally charged in that, to be clear. But I'm just like, yeah, there's there's definitely not a, a choir boy club to say that. To say the least, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, this one, this one got went way too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just the league is much much better off
0: uh, with him gone. Yeah, uh, the Washington Commanders, according to Forbes, uh, valued at five point six billion dollars. So, he's getting six billion at least, and he's probably gonna get more than that because again, it's gonna be a bidding war. That is a team that I expect a lot of interest to be in. So he's about to
1: get paid and yeah, i'm hoping we get a uh i'm hoping we start getting some more um uh black some black owners as well hopefully this is an opportunity for
0: yeah for that yeah we talked about that a lot and 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 the issues the nfl has had with various issues regarding racism and having black ownership being probably a first step to fixing that issue this yeah this this could maybe be an opportunity And and we'll see how that shakes out. I think that is a good point as well. Um, Let's get to some other NFL stuff happening. So NFL, uh, I believe we're in what week? What is this week nine? I believe I want to say of the NFL season. Yeah, I believe it's week nine of the NFL season. Um, And it's the trade deadline happened this past uh, Tuesday. Pretty significant deals. I don't think anything so crazy, but there were some significant moves. That were made uh, this this week. So you got uh, TJ Hawkinson, the line, the Lions tight end, being sent to the Minnesota Vikings in what was a very rare interdivision move. Uh, the Lions coming away to a pretty decent treasure trove draft. They got second and a second and a couple of fourths in that deal. Um, you had uh, Naheem Hines uh, being traded to the Buffalo Bills. We know that the Bills had been looking for a running back, it seemed like, all season. Um, and, and 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 now they add Naheem Hines, a guy who's not just good obviously in the backfield, but also very good as a pass catcher. Um, he gets sent to Buffalo to add to that already very high powered offense. You got Bradley Chubb. This was a move I think I was a little surprised by considering um I wasn't convinced that the Brown the Broncos, I'm sorry, would be sellers, considering kinda of the AFC, both leagues really kinda of being in a state of flux, like it's so much power in the league this year. I wasn't sure the Broncos would start pulling the plug on trading some of their best players. And they did not trade Judy, which was rumored, but they did trade Bradley Chubb to the to the Miami Dolphins. Uh Chubb, who was a, a former top pick for them, he gets sent over to Miami. The the Broncos did get a first round pick in return for Bradley Chubb. So uh definitely a big uh big value there. They also got a fourth in that trade and Chase Edmonds as well. Edmonds had not fit in the Dolphins' system. So not surprised to see him leave. Clay, uh, Chase Claypool traded to the Chicago Bears. I think this one was a little bit of a shocker given where the Bears are in their standings and people considering maybe Claypool will go to one of these teams that we thought would be buyers like maybe the Packers or the Giants, teams that clearly needed wide receiver help. But the Bears, looking to maybe give Justin Fields some some assistance, they get uh, Clay Chapul. And then uh, Roquan Smith. Again, making it kind of weird, the Bears buying in one sense of, of of improving their offense. But after already trading Robert Quinn, now they also trade Raquan, uh, Roquan Smith, their uh, all-pro linebacker. He goes to the Baltimore Ravens. So pretty decent trade deadline, Sham. I got to be honest, like a, a pretty decent move, a lot of moving and shaking. Um, any moves stand out to you as being ones that really kind of stood out and said, wow, that that's that's going to really change things for that team?
1: Um. Well I think uh well the Hawkinson one definitely stood out to me. Um I mean Hawkinson is is, is a very good tight end. And you know, that team, the Vikings with with Hawkinson, I, I think is uh I think that's a I think that's a fairly significant upgrade for them and um, yes. I think that makes them a very, very dangerous team. Uh, when when thinking about things like the postseason. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, and especially considering, you know, Irv Smith being down now. Yeah. Possibly for the rest of the regular season. And you get a player who, all due respect to Irv Smith, is much better than Irv Smith. Right. I mean, they just upgraded their tight end and kind of avoided a catastrophe of not having a starting up with tight end for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an upgrade, you know, like you said, so... So, you know, they're in they're in a very good position. Um uh shout out to Quasey, the new GM. Yeah. He is he is making moves and team is doing well. So, you know, uh he's doing a very good job uh over there in Minnesota. Uh to my chagrin, of course, as a Packers fan, we're not <laughs> seemingly seemingly uh, not doing anything. Yeah. Um <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. And Chase Claypool to the Bears as well. Um, that's another, I think, a significant move. Um, the Bears finally doing, trying to get Justin Fields some kind of help, something, you know, like it, it, some kind of sign that they they want him and by extension their offense to be to, to do well. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was a significant move as well.
0: Yeah, I mean I think on uh on the Hawkinson thing, like I said, like I, I think that they, they got a really big upgrade at tight end and you know, that's an offense that has a lot of weapons, man. I mean, now you put Hawkinson out there with Justin Jefferson who's having a spectacular year again, um, you know, uh K J Osborne, uh Cook in the backfield, Thielen, and now, you know, it's all on Kirk Cousins, which, you know, kinda always ends up kind <laughs> of being the question of like, is this guy really that guy? And for most of this season, he's looked great. He's had a very good season. There have been those, well, one bad moment that he had on, you know, guess what, you know, primetime NFL games, which has been his issue for his entire career, where it didn't quite look like he was ready up up to that kind of snuff. But the team mm-hmm. has only one loss this year. They've been a fairly dominant squad. So you got to think getting him some more help that they're now in, in real shape to, to potentially really go on a little run here. The NFC is very weak. Um nobody's really kind of, kind of distinguishing themselves with the exception of the Eagles and the Vikings. Uh, maybe and, and, and the Giants and the Cowboys are six and two, obviously. I don't know how much people really believe in it, either of those two teams. The Cowboys probably more so than the Giants for sure. But there's still so much parity. I mean, NFC South only has, has has no teams above 500. NFC West only has one team above 500. So there's a, just a feeling that, you know, if you're going to go all in and you have one of these top records, that this is the year to do it. So I think the Vikings, they gave a lot for a tight end. They gave a lot for a tight end that I don't know if the talent has really matched the production. I think we all know Hawkinson can ball, but the numbers don't say that he's worth probably a second round and multiple fourth round picks. The guy was a top, now the guy was a top 10 pick in the draft and we've seen him have big games even this season. So we know the guy is a big talent. Now he's been playing in a bad team. Though on an offense, that's been pretty good. So I, I'm curious to see what happens, but I definitely, that was an eye, eye raiser, especially because it kind of added a weapon and upgraded a position that was about to be really hurt with, with Smith being gone, who Smith wasn't really having a great year. This year to begin with um, the the Bradley Trubb move was interesting to me, too, because mm-hmm. the Dolphins right now sit at five and three. And I think with it felt like when two got hurt, that their season kind of ended like at that moment, like even though they were three and one, it just felt like we didn't know we don't know when we're going to see this guy again. We don't know yeah. what he's going to look like if he shows up again <laughs> and whatever excitement we have for them. It's just very. It was it was it was you know on on kind of a much more muted state after that one loss There was they were three zero coming into that game uh, and then they lose three in a row and then you kind of just forget about them but you know they did survive the Steelers uh, a couple of weeks ago they did survive the, the Lions this week but they do now sit at five and three Tua does appear to be getting more comfortable I know that defense with the Lions is really bad but he had a really good game and their schedule. For the next couple of weeks, you got the Bears this week, you got the Browns the week after, and then you got the Texans. You kind of sit there and say, you just added Bradley Chubb. I mean, could this team not be, you know, eight and three in a couple of weeks when they play the Niners on the road and they kind of hit the tough part of their schedule? They finished with Niners, Chargers on, and Bills all on the road back to back to back weeks. Then Packers, I'm not really impressed with what they've seen from them, but you know, you do have Aaron Rodgers though, and then they end with the Patriots and the Jets. You kind of wonder if the if the if the Dolphins go on a little run here, you know they have mm-hmm. some very good pass rushers already. Uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami, uh, you know I watched him play a ton at the U, yeah. and he's really coming into his own in his second year. Yeah, they got Agva, who's always been a good player. Like they now you had a, an elite kind of pass rusher like Chubb. Um, Melvin Ingram had already already had been giving them some good snaps as well. Like. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you kind of sit there and wonder, could could the Dolphins potentially, you know, compete for a title now? I think that before this trade, I, I don't think I would have at all considered them. And I, I said from the beginning, I haven't considered them a title contender. But now it makes you wonder if, if they can start getting this thing going in the right direction. They can kind of put the disastrous Cincinnati game behind them and the fallout from behind them. You kind of look forward and say, hey, do you to get into the playoffs, they got some corners. They got an elite pass rusher. They got elite speed at wide receiver, and they got a quarterback that's having a good year. Uh, can he stay healthy? I have no idea, but it don't sound like he's gonna be the reason that they don't do what they're supposed to do, do what they're capable of. So, Bradley Chubb move was very interesting to me.
1: Yeah, it was a very interesting. Um, that was a very interesting move as well. Um, I already consider Miami a very dangerous team, and this just adds to that. Um Bradley Chubb is an elite like as you say, he's an elite pass rusher. He Absolutely. is a top top tier defensive player in the, in this league. And um and getting him is can change your team. So, you know, that that is a massive get for Miami. And like I said, it's just it's just they're already you know i feel like they're more dangerous than their record lets on you know i think they can beat anybody on any given week and um this is just going to help them do that i agree with that as well and
0: then on on the claypool move i for, for me i like giving justin fields help like that had to happen i'm surprised it happened like i did not expect it to happen mm-hmm. but it had to happen cuz he he's been playing with you know subpar talent around him and it it has stunted his development so i'm happy they did it and i'm especially happy considering it feels like fields may be kind of turning the corner in his development i'm not saying this guy has been lighting the world on fire right but it does feel like outside of that terrible washington commanders game that we all saw on national tv where they uh you know scored seven points they couldn't convert uh, inside their own you know, three-yard line to win the game. It does mm. feel like, besides that, he's been playing a lot better football. It's has not been lights out. It's not been dominant. But you start to see, okay, we're starting to see the, the passing skills combined with the athleticism. And maybe you say, okay, maybe you have something here. Now, you were never going to know what he could be with the guys they got. So yeah. get him a big six-foot-six guy that can run, that can jump, that can make plays. I I, I can't hate that. I don't necessarily love the character in Claypool. Mm -hmm. I think that the Steelers saw this guy up close and said, no, we need to draft a guy to replace him immediately and pick him. (laughs) Saw Pickens play a couple snaps there. Like, yeah, we got to trade this guy. Like, we're done. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Makes me kind of wonder if this is really the guy that is going to change life for the Bears. But, you know, Claypool is not coming in to be the number one receiver. He's not coming in to be Justin Jefferson. Are coming in to be, you know, one of these, uh, you know, DK Metcalf type guys. You know, they're a team that's trying to acquire as many assets and talented players as possible. So he's just going to be kind of a, a, kind of a cog in that, in that offense. You know, this deal kind of reminds me of, and this was a good move. It's different because this team was trying to win, and I don't know. I wouldn't say this team, the Bears, are a team that's in winning mode. They just traded their two best defensive players, and then we've seen the defense not fall apart since that happened, but. It kinda of reminds me when the Jets traded for Braylon Edwards. Like, nobody had like these I this idea that Braylon Edwards was right. like a top five receiver or a clear and that's no disrespect to Braylon Edwards. I like the Braylon Edwards a lot. And I'm a Jets fan, so I'm I i do not mean this as a diss at all. But when the Jets traded for Braylon Edwards, it was this idea that okay, we have a pretty good team, we have a pretty good defense, but we have a young quarterback and we just haven't really given him weapons to throw to that would help his development in any way. Uh, we have Keller and we have Kotchery, but that's just not realistic. It's of Sam. Well, this quarterback's going to really put up great numbers with this guy. So let's get a big target, a six foot five guy or, you know, Braylon was like six foot three, um, big target, uh, a guy who's in score touchdowns and, and a guy who will be a piece to an offense that we're continuing to develop. We saw them add other guys. They added Sean Green. They added uh, Santonio Holmes. And, and Braylon was a good piece on the Jets for those seasons. I think the Bears probably see Claypool playing a similar role. You know, Edwards was a little more accomplished than Claypool. Edwards made a Pro Bowl, I think, one year with Cleveland. But he had his issues. He dropped the ball a lot. So, And he had character issues, too. Like, they, 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 there's a lot of similarity between these two guys. So, I kind of see what Chicago is doing. I kind of I kind of dug it. it. It's As long as they're not expecting them to be, you know, Randy Moss, which I don't think they are. I think that this was, you know, a good move to get a
1: guy on the cheap. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a good move. And I think this is like just a kind of a step in the right direction. And um, and I think and hopefully it's a trend too. hopefully this is a sign that they're really going to try to start to build this offense. Um, as well, uh, because up to this point, I haven't seen them really do anything to 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 try to even really try to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I think, uh, like you said, giving Justin Fields someone, just someone, just someone, someone, you know, know, someone that people like know to throw to. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, and even as a Packers fan, I'm watching this, I'm feeling bad. Like, boy, he's got to like, he's got to look for guys like Equinemius St. Brown uh, yeah, no. to throw to like, that's one of like, his guys. And I'm like, man, I don't even think we have it that bad in Green Bay. You know, it's like, you know, Dobbs is showing that he's pretty good. And he's all he's got is like Darnell Mooney and a bunch of other guys. And it's like, I don't, I don't know who, I literally have no idea who like a lot of those guys are. Um, You know, like guys catching the ball. I'm like, I know, I've never heard this guy's name, like Ever. And and I don't it is nothing that he's done you know in any of these games has made me think that I should start to learn his name. So it's it's just sad. It was just sad to see. But um, but yeah, right. this... you,
0: mean, you mean you haven't heard of
1: Velvis Jones Jr. Oh, Dante man. Pettis? You, you, these aren't household names for you. Absolutely <laughs> not. And they're not going to be household names when they, if if and when they draft someone like Jordan Addison or somebody else in these oh, mock yeah. drafts are given to the <laughs> yeah. Bears so um so yeah he definitely needs some help and i think this is a good step in, in that direction
0: yeah I, I i agree with that and when we kind of just look at how this this season has kind of played out it, it this is the weirdest nfl season i think i've ever seen i mean we've talked a lot about there being a lot of quote-unquote bad football which i agree honestly the, the, the games mm-hmm. week to week there's a lot of the games are competitive but they're not well played um and i'm not someone who's like oh it's it's not good offense, whatever. Like, I'm fine with that. It's, it's just that they're sloppy, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things they think could be cleaned up. I don't know what the deal is or why we're seeing this consistent play every week. But I think this is why you're able to see some of these teams that aren't beating themselves, like the Giants and the Vikings, have these great records. And we saw the Jets start 5-2 and two before the debacle that happened this past weekend. And I saw it, Sherman, I watched that Jet game against the Patriots where the Jets lost at home. They had an mm-hmm. early lead and Zach Wilson then threw uh, three interceptions and the Patriots ended up winning that game. Yep. And it was the first time I really sat there and said, all right, Zach Wilson is officially on the clock. Like, yep. I'm not saying that they need to get rid of this guy immediately, that, you know, they should right. be looking to see what Mike White's got or Stravler I'm not saying any of that, but what we're seeing from the Jets is very clear that this is a team that has actually, they've come out of the depths of hell. Like, this was a team that was so devoid, if that's the word, I don't know, devoid, devoid, whatever, devoid of talent, that they had no hope. Like, watching them week to week was almost pointless because they just weren't going to be competitive. But watching that game, and maybe it, it, you know, we saw them beat the Packers. We saw them beat some teams before that. But mm-hmm. watching that game particularly where now you're seeing them still play at a fairly high level in other aspects of the game yeah, and then just to see the quarterback yep. throw the game away. It's made you sit there and say, okay, we've now gotten to a point where the quarterback is holding this team back. We can't – and then because Brees Hall, who went out with a terrible knee injury and we wish him – Speedy recovery. He's out for the year because Brees Hall was so great. It masked what maybe Zach Wilson really is. And he's a developmental quarterback. And I watch him week to week. And it's just, I just can't understand why this quarterback is so non-fundamentally sound. Why he's so reckless with the ball and why they continue to accept it. Like, and I like Zach. I think that he has arm talent. Mm-hmm. I think he has he has some kind of like, I don't want to say leadership in tandem. I don't know leadership is the word. But he has guys kind of gravitate to him because of his energy. Right. You know, I hate the word swagger, but that's the only word I could think of. His swagger. And that is not nothing, especially if you're playing quarterback. That, that means something. So there are reasons why I can see why. The Jets or anybody because see, look at this guy, say this guy could really be a franchise quarterback. But I just don't know how you could come back from last season. What we saw from him come back into this season. And OK, we were winning games, but very still uneven play from him. And in a game like that at home where you could pretty much bury the Patriots, the Patriots would have been three and five and pretty much out of the, definitely out of the division race and in a tough spot in terms of the wild card even. You you put on that performance, you're just throwing the ball, lally-gaggingly throwing the ball to the sidelines, and <laughs> guys are just sitting right there to pick it off, and throwing lollipops, you know, just, you know, f- they're basically fair catches to the safety when you're rolling out. Like, I'm worried, man. I'm really worried. And yeah, yeah. it's it's just tough because, like, how many times are you gonna are you going to have to keep recycling young quarterbacks? Like, we went through this with Mark Sanchez. We went through this with Sam Darnold. Like, I feel like it's deja job will over again, where we're looking at a guy and saying, well, he has talent, so it'll eventually come through, and it never does. I feel like I'm watching the same movie again.
1: Yeah, and you, this one you could see coming a mile away, and, and I give Joe Douglas a lot of credit for a lot, a lot really a, a lot of his other picks. I mean, I can't say all because I don't have the list in front of me, but a lot of his other picks, it picks have been great. Like picks, as you said, this is like a great roster that has been developed largely in the draft. Um, and Zach Wilson has really just been the opposite of that. It, it, you know, just from my observation, um, and I've watched a lot of Jets games. Of course, we're from New York; we were all tuned into the Jets um the giants of, of as well of course but particularly yeah. the jets and he just it it he he is a, it's very clear at this point in time he is a hindrance he's holding them back he's a hindrance to their development um it doesn't i don't I don't see like the chemistry with them it, it seems like it, now it seems like it's just a lot of basic things and you know, and of course i'm not a I'm not a you know some football Google quarterback coach, whatever, but just basic things just as an observer that has seen other quarterbacks play well, things that that he just shouldn't be doing that that he doesn't need to do that other young quarterbacks who you know struggle at first but are improving are not doing, yeah, immediately rolling out. Spinning around two, three times and going back 15 yards, 20 yards. Yeah, like, what is this crap? Uh, like, seriously. You know, like, like, like the sidearm, like... the sidearm throws, to me, are the, that's, when he does those throws, those are throws where I'm like, this is a profession. this is the NFL, sir. You're not in the street. <laughs> this is this, a, This is the mountain how much West. To do
0: this? Yeah.
1: Like, they, that's stuff where I see, I see that, and, I, and he throws in the pick you know when he should have threw it out of bounds and it's like no that's stuff that gets you out of the league that gets you put in the practice squad (laughs) traded what that's stuff that that you'll just do that to on a team that's trying to win you know like if you want to win you don't just let your starting quarterback do things like that and like and that's just all but he's young but it's like your other skill players aren't going to be young forever Brees Hall isn't going to be a fantastic running back forever. You're just going to have him waste away with his terrible quarterback. That's just what that's just what it looks like. I'm keeping it keeping it very real. Zach Wilson seems like, you know, just from the little I've seen, he seems like someone that, you know, is very much, you know, very much into like the team and, and wanting to help the team win. But if he doesn't, if he can't stop trying to do all this flashy stuff, then they're not going to win.
0: Yeah, sure. I put. You know, I, I tweeted. I tweeted on Sunday. I was like, "This quarterback needs to put down the tape on Aaron Rodgers and start watching Peyton Manning, because I'm yeah. tired of hearing about how <laughs> he he honors, he he loves Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rod. He watched so much Aaron tape of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is so amazing. And look, Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best yes. quarterbacks I've ever seen. But Aaron Rod, what Aaron Rodgers is able to do with his ability to throw from different arm angles and roll out and, and hit guys in crazy spots, like. That's not something you should be trying to emulate when you're a young player. You're a rookie. You're a second year yeah. player. Like you need to get the actual fundamentals of the game. Like and, and what, like, I don't study, don't know Peyton Rogers, Manning don't want- was a great quarterback and he didn't have to do any of that stuff Aaron Rodgers does. Exactly. Yep. And I'm not yeah. saying that 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 like that makes him better than Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. I'm just saying like it's like he mm-hmm. he's taking like the most flashiest things about Aaron Rodgers and saying, well, I want to put that in my game. It's like, are you actually putting the the simple stuff Aaron Rodgers does? Right. Or if you aren't, maybe you need to be watching someone else, because I don't know what because I keep seeing this. Well, to me, it looks like an Aaron Rodgers like a bad imitation. Like I'm rolling out, I'm spinning around, and I'm going, I'm just gonna fling it. And I, yeah, I've seen Aaron Rodgers make those kind of plays and <laughs> throw touchdowns, and you're like, yo, this guy's something else. But you're still learning. You're still learning on the job. Like, right. how about you just set your feet and make a throw? How about you step up in the pocket? and... And look to your third or fourth progression. It's before oh, deciding boy. I need to spin out and run around, run out of the pocket and start looking down the field. How about I don't know? Take the five yards in front of you. Like he should have done on fourth down, <laughs> deciding fourth down play yep. against the Patriots, where the, the first down was right there and said he's you no, know, he's throwing off platform and flinging it down the field to to uh, Conklin, and, who has three guys around him. Like this is like uh. there simple plays to be made that he like refused to make. And it feels like it's because he's trying to do an Aaron Rodgers impression.
1: Yep. And I, look, I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I, don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say for sure. But you contrast what he's done with with even just as a young quarterback with things like when we saw hurt struggling before. When we saw and, and continues field struggle uh, often. Right. And we know that either at the time they were just either very young and didn't really have much of a supporting cast. Didn't have too much support though. Hertz had a good, good old line still, but, but he was still, he was struggling, but it wasn't stuff like this. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like very either like just really bonehead, like weird trying to be stylish kind of stuff. Uh, or like, you know, very base, very like basic fundamentals Type of, of stuff, uh, you know, uh, with with running backwards like this his Um, you know, it, it wasn't st- it isn't it wasn't and isn't stuff like that for those guys. We see Hertz has a good supporting cast now and he's doing he's thriving, obviously, and fields, you know, he's still struggling, but he doesn't have anybody still doesn't even have a line to protect him. Uh, but we still see we still see the improvement. And I and I'll be honest, I've seen the improvement with Wilson, but it's been very incremental. Like very incremental. <laughs> the more I'm like, how long are they willing to try to just grind, just grind out a yeah, good that, quarterback that out P- of this that, guy? The Pittsburgh fourth quarter feels like three years ago. Yeah, Well, yeah, it really, it really does. And I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and just say, I feel like the Jets have enough talent. I feel like and I'm just gonna make this comparison. You put Hurts, you put Fields. Mm-hmm. On the Jets and the Jets, I don't they're they're doing much better than they are now. I just just I just I think it's to me, I think it's clear the big problem, a big part of the problem is Wilson. And and I agree with you, EJ. I think the, the clock is ticking. I think someone needs to tell him that before he ends up just ending his career. <laughs> you know. Yeah. because he looks terrible. And I don't know if anyone's telling him that. It gets to a point where it's like, he's an adult. He's making millions of dollars. You're paying him to to represent your organization. And he looks like a fool. Is anyone telling him this? You know, uh-huh. or are we just going to keep, keep... Well, yeah,
0: it goes back to some of the like coaching where, you know, I think the coaches yeah, have done they a they good job for the him. most part. But, yeah, when it comes to their their the way they, they handle Zach Wilson, I, I just don't know if, if they've done a good job. I haven't seen enough to say that definitively at all. And that's really really alarming, you know, where it's not, you know, game five of his career, game seven, you know. He's now had, like, like,
1: 18, 19 starts, like. Yeah, and I didn't like that in the press conference, he's like, oh, I did some good things, I did some bad things. It's like, nah. Yeah, that press like, con- you, that press conference was awful. Like, I, nah, like and for the most part, he's coach, been a guy who who says the right things. He just, he said a lot of the wrong things in that press conference. No, and look, I know he doesn't. I know he, like you have to have some kind of like self confidence in yourself that you'll do better next time. But that was a bad game, and you need to know someone needs to be telling you that you had a bad game, and like that kind of performance is unacceptable, and you're gonna keep losing as long as you do that. You got you can't do that. Like yeah. guys like Hertz and guys like. Guys like you know other guys that are are good quarterbacks and take kind of and actually like look at their tape and like they don't they don't settle for performances like that and say oh well you know some good some bad they say no I got to do better unacceptable I have to do better that's what you want to hear so it's like boy it's like I don't know how long the Jets are gonna I don't know how long how long they're gonna be able to put up with that
0: yeah there was a lot of a lot of smugness going on in that presser a lot of um. You no, know, he was like, "Oh, you know, I don't." Someone asked him, "Like statistically, you know, you're not looking too good." I don't care about the stats. Uh, you know, Ooh. I, I, yeah. I, it just it was a terrible look. It was, it was. He looked bad, and I'm starting. To, I'm starting to really get concerned. I know it's only one game. I know they were just on a four-game winning streak, so maybe it seems a little crazy to now say, "Well." Now the quarterback's on the clock, but that's how I feel. I'm just calling, like, I'm watching the film, watching the game, and looking at it and being honest and saying, forget about You're, the record, forget about everything. Yeah. Does this guy play like a guy that is equipped to lead this team? You know, 100%. let's forget about a Super Bowl. Just lead them to the playoffs, lead them to be a perennial yeah, you winner. Can, can you be a consistent winner with the guy playing like this? I don't know yeah. how you could say yes, watching not just this week, but the Bronco game they won. Um yep. The bear the, the Pack packer game he was better he didn't he wasn't close to turning the ball turn over but he, it wasn't like he lit the world on fire in that game either. that was just just running down their throat like I don't know a lot of very concerning I feel like what we saw from Jack Wilson this weekend um, let's quickly wrap the show up talking uh, college football so we got the college football rankings that came out this week I kind of torn on like people's uh, anger with it people uh, people getting really, really upset about it. And I, I get it to a certain extent. I mean, this is the standard that's being used to determine who will play for a national championship. But because so many of these teams have to play each other and there's so much still to be decided, I just don't know if it really makes sense to like just go crazy over like who's at one, who's at three, who's at six, who's Ooh. at five. Now, did I think that there were some weird things in this? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I didn't quite understand Ohio State being ahead of Georgia. Ohio State had a, a pretty good win against Penn State last week, but uh, Penn State got just demolished by Michigan the week before. So outside of the Penn State win, the other ranked win was against Notre Dame when they were five, and Notre Dame is not the number five team in the country. We know that very much by now. So I don't see a lot of quality wins from Ohio State to, to, to just why they should be ahead of Georgia, who are the defending national champions, who did demolish uh, uh, Oregon in week one in Oregon. Yep. While we thought they were terrible. They actually are pretty good now. Like Number they're eight. the opposite. They're the <laughs> opposite of Notre Dame. Like we watched that Notre Dame game. We thought, oh, okay, Notre Dame is a lot better than we think. Like they're going to be really good. And they they have played better of late. They just beat Syracuse this weekend. But they they're they're clearly not a top top twenty five team, even let alone top ten team. Oregon looks like man. Like after that <laughs> whooping they took, like they've been playing some great ball. So I didn't quite get why Ohio State got that spot over there. That didn't make sense to me. And I think I'm gonna join the carousel of people that said that TCU is really getting jobbed here. Like TCU being at eight just feels like, um, like some like blue blood bias happening. Like they put Clemson at four, they put Michigan at five, and they put a one loss Alabama ahead of them. TCU has one of the strongest strength of schedules of anybody. TCU has four ranked wins. They were four in a row, that that were all ranked wins. And now you maybe say, okay, Oklahoma. They they're not that good, but we thought they were good before TCU blew them out, completely blew them out, and that was kind of the end of Oklahoma's season that game. Uh, they played Kansas before Kansas had the injuries to their quarterback, so I think that's still a quality win. They beat Oklahoma State, they beat K State. Like I don't see Alabama with one loss to obviously a the number one team in the country. So credit where credit is due. That is a, a you know a good win, but the other wins are you know. Texas, where they should have lost, and the starting quarterback got hurt. Arkansas has not looked the same uh, really since the A&M loss. Uh, they, they beat Mississippi State. I don't, I'm, I don't know what to think of Mississippi State. It is, and I'm not saying Alabama can't play themselves back up to being ahead of TCU because they got uh, LSU and Ole Miss left on the schedule and maybe an SEC championship game. It just felt like if you are I'm taking a snapshot of this right now, I didn't see why Alabama, with one loss, should have been ahead of TCU. TCU played quality opponents. Um, and they even putting Clemson ahead of them. Clemson, that NC State win was a long time ago. That Wake Forest one was a long time ago. Uh, they did beat Syracuse this week. They had to survive. I don't know. I thought that they were a little overrated. It, so, uh, those are two, those would be some of my big things that I didn't quite understand. But, how, how do you see the college war rankings, how they came out, and, and your thoughts on them?
1: Um, yeah, I, I mean, EJ, you know how I feel about Clemson, of course, you know, I've told you a, a million times, I've told Kendall a million times, and I guess I'll, I'll tell all the listeners here, I don't believe in Clemson. Yeah, yeah you, don't think, <laughs> you, think, you think they're frauds. You know, I don't believe in Clemson, I'm not a believer in DJ Uyunglele. Um Apparently, neither was, <laughs> neither was uh, Dabo, because he got pulled. Yeah, apparently. Um, you know, not to say that he can't get better, not to say that he doesn't have a lot of heart, because I think that's very obvious but i don't i don't believe in in just the the, the just i don't know just the quarterback play i don't, just what i've seen i don't i don't i don't see it you know i don't think last year was a fluke i think that's i think he's very much a project and i don't think the playoff is where you put projects i think the playoff is where you put players <laughs> you know to be blunt you know so i and and the, this clemson roster just isn't up to par with other ones that we've seen um in my opinion so um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not as much of a believer in Clemson. I think Michigan, uh, is more deserving personally. I agree with that too. Of being in the top four. Um, I think Alabama, and it's funny, EJ, I actually, ironically enough, I think their loss, close loss to Tennessee, how close it was, actually helps me view them in a better light. hmm Because of how great Tennessee is. Um, and the fact that it was so close, um, even leads me to believe. You know, I think, I still think, Ten- I think Tennessee would destroy TCU, and that's just because of how good Tennessee is. Right, they're incredible. Just you know, and I know. Just I watched yeah, all that yeah. Florida game. Yeah, you watched that Florida game. Yeah, I watched all that Florida game. They were doing whatever they want, <laughs> and our yeah. defense isn't good. But, but I mean, they did whatever they. I I, I was just flabbergasted at how how this offense was just unstoppable and I and I and I and, you know I've seen people other people saying it online as well and I kind of agree I feel like this is giving me 2019 LSU vibes with the this offense specifically you know of course that, that yeah
0: I, I feel the same way it's funny you said that and I, I didn't even know people were saying that but that's what I've been feeling too yeah
1: maybe not yeah. the the
0: maybe not the 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 collection of insane talent
1: but yeah. like the production is the same the production is just just they're seemingly unstoppable they're just they're doing whatever they want yeah uh it's particularly on offense but on both sides of the ball they're great but yeah the defense is really starting to play too now i mean yeah so you know this is seems like you know it's it just has that feeling i don't know we'll see this weekend of course but it just has that feeling so i don't disagree with you know i'm not i i will not argue tennessee being number one um but yeah, I think in general those are my feelings on it, and I, and I, I agree with you. I think Georgia should be ahead of um, Ohio State. I don't really understand dropping them below them either.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of robbed us of a one versus two matchup, and those, you know, and they shouldn't yeah, they shouldn't true. care about that. To be fair, but still, it's kind of like, oh man, like <laughs> that seemed so easy, and then like it seemed very unorthodox to have Ohio State ahead of the the defending national champions who haven't lost a game, who really. I mean, maybe you'll say they had two bad performances against Kent State. They, they did one win by 17 points. And the Missouri game was not a good game. They won by the skin of their teeth. But they've just demolished everyone else they've played, including a team in Oregon who is also ranked pretty high. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I I thought that that was a little unfortunate. Like, they beat a team that's ranked number eight. Ohio State hasn't been a team anywhere near as good as Oregon. Yep. Uh no Penn State, I guess, was their best win. Penn State, oh, where where are they even ranked? I don't even see them here. Like they're not clearly anywhere near. Obviously Oregon being number eight. Right. So yeah, that 15. that didn't that didn't. What well, you say they're fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. So they're fifteen. I I don't know where that. I don't know, how, <laughs> I don't know how they shook that out. Ohio State had a bad performance against Notre Dame. Like and we thought it was good, but now we realize it wasn't good. So. That that didn't make sense to me. That that I thought was a wrong call. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to keep in perspective that this will all play itself out, which is what makes this this crop of teams being the top teams really, I think, satisfying because outside of TCU, who's kind of now in their own world because they've, honestly, they've taken care of all the Big 12 teams who would have been in their way. So, they I mean, they have, of course, a Big 12 championship game. But Oklahoma State was in the picture. Now they're not uh k-state was in the picture now they're not (laughs) partly because tcu beat them so they've Mm -hmm. kind of done their job now let's see they just kind of get to the finish line with these other teams they they all got business kind of with each other like tennessee's got to play georgia one of those teams is is most likely gonna have to play alabama um okay alabama's got to play one of those teams they also will have to play lsu and ole miss um michigan's got to play ohio state so and and the same way too clemson also they're kind of in their own world as well because acc is not competitive compared to those other conferences, so in some way, Clemson and t c u kind of play they kind of control their own destiny to some degree. I think if both of those teams went out, they will be in the playoff. but for those other teams in terms of ranking who's better, who's worse, I think a lot of this stuff will decide itself because of just where things stand with the schedule the scheduling will force uh there right. to be yeah. shake ups, and I think there will be a lot because I don't think this is gonna be very clean like. I don't know if necessarily the winner of Tennessee Georgia beats Alabama um, in an SC championship game. I'm not necessarily sure Alabama survives the rest of their schedule. I don't even know if they even <laughs> they're clean with you know yeah. playing mm-hmm. against LSU this weekend uh, in in Death Valley. That's going to be a great atmosphere. I can't believe with the way they started that they're playing this well. But Brian Kelly deserves a lot of credit. You know, besides yeah. the Tennessee loss, which again Tennessee's just mauling everybody. LSU has had a very good season. They're 6-2 and now. I think they come into this game with some confidence after beating Ole Miss and beating them down last week. I mean, that was just – I was shocked at how dominant they were in that game, especially because, you know, they started the game down 17-3, and it just seemed like there was an offensive awakening by LSU. And Jaden Daniels now starting to really come into his own after some mm-hmm. uneven play to start the year. This is going to be fun. As one thing I can say about the football season, this is definitely going to be fun. I, I can't wait to watch these games this weekend. I can't wait to uh, uh, see how this all plays out with this Tennessee Georgia game. Who who are you picking in this game? In this one versus three matchup in Athens,
1: I'm picking Tennessee. I think this is I think out, this really? is their, I think this is their LSU versus Alabama game. Interesting. That's why. That's why I think we're going to see. I think it's going to be good, That's a good I call. call some people,
0: be, that's actually a good call because some yeah. people will probably look at and say, well, wasn't the Alabama game the LSU Alabama game? But remember, LSU that year be Alabama on the road. And in many ways, that was like the real test. Yeah. They, okay, are they for yeah. real? And this is kind of the same thing where Tennessee, they've beaten a lot of good teams, but now they go on the road against the national champion. So
1: that's a good pull. Yep, yep. I, I, I don't think this is going to be one where, oh, this team is blowing that one out. This is going to be a shootout. This Georgia team is not the same Georgia team as last year. Their defense is still good, but it's not as good as last year. Of course, no other college football team, you know, defense is as good as Georgia last year. So, um, Tennessee is going to put up a lot of points, and Georgia's offense is is rocking. They're also going to put up a lot of points. That's what that's my prediction. I think Tennessee is going to end up winning.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you gave Georgia's offense some some love because I think we we all talk about the defense, which is is great, but. Um, they they score a ton of points too. Um, they you know, Brock Bowers is just man. He's, he's incredible. Like he's, when one he,
1: he's one of the best tight ends I've ever seen. Like when I mean, he I'm when, the, when he's when he comes out for the draft. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like like it's, any team that needs a tight end. Yeah, this guy's like, a sophomore too. Oh
0: my god, this guy. Is, yeah, he's a, he was a
1: freshman last year doing what he did <laughs> last year. Yeah, he
0: Brock Bowers is, is him. Brock Bowers incredible. is so, he, He's so nice. So nice.
1: And seeing so, him, like, run like a running back, like, yeah. just outrunning all these quarterbacks and safety, just, just 99, just all these 90-yard, 80-yard, 90-yard plays, is crazy. I've never seen anything like that before.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like, I don't I don't think he's the blocker this guy is, but, I mean, he looks like George Kittle when he gets the ball in his hands. Yeah. He's that yeah. dangerous, he's that, yeah. <laughs> he's that fast, he's that, yeah. like, he, and he has he brought, incredible hands. He's just catching anything. Oh yeah, he can catch anything. I mean, throw it up. Yeah. He, like I said, he, he's one of the best college tight ends I've ever seen already. He's only a sophomore. So yeah. George's offense, I agree, will put up points. I think I'm leading the dogs here. I feel like wow. okay. Tennessee, and I love Tennessee. And it pains me because I, I really want to see Tennessee do it. I want to see Rocky Top back. And I think part of me is maybe selfish because, like, you know, everybody said there was no chance Tennessee would ever be back. And now they are so like it gives me hope as a Miami fan <laughs> that maybe you know a former great program can relive their glory days. So I'm rooting for Tennessee, man. I really am. Like they're the team, college football team, besides Miami yeah. that I'm rooting for this year. But it just feels like you have so many highs throughout the season. At a certain point, I know it didn't never happen with LSU, to be fair. But at a certain point for a team that just bursts onto the scene, the letdown has to come at some point. And okay, it wasn't uh, It wasn't Florida, though you guys gave them a good game. It wasn't they killed LSU on the road. They came back and bounced back and played an even better game against LSU. Then the Alabama game, they came all the way up, and they had that great win, one of the best college football games in recent memory. And then you get Kentucky last week, and I kind of was curious. I said, like, okay, Kentucky's a good team. Um, let's see how this goes. Kentucky's had their way with Tennessee recently, and they mauled, <laughs> mauled Kentucky. And it's just like, yep. can they really do it again? Now come up another big game. Everybody's watching. Everybody's curious what this team is about. And now they're up against Georgia. Can they do it again for another week? Because it feels like if they do it this week, then they're they're gonna they're gonna win the division because they got Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt to finish. So they're they're gonna watch those teams. And it's like they know they're at the finish line. And part of me almost feels like that can sometimes lead to the disappointment. Like this game to me. I don't know if you'll remember this. This feels like Texas Tech against Oklahoma in the Michael Crabtree, Graham Harrow era. Do you remember that? Like Texas it Tech a beat. Yeah, they beat. No, that wasn't sure. Remember they got blown oh, out. Was, they, they remember they remember they at home. You're thinking about the Texas game. Remember they beat Texas Tech in a shootout. Crabtree okay. scored the game-winning touchdown. It's like something out of a movie. It looked like the Tennessee game, honestly, against Alabama. Right. And it was a great game. They beat Colt McCoy and ten, and then Texas Tech. I think they came, They might have came into that Oklahoma game number one in the country. They weren't. They were really high. They were like two. Right. And then maybe a week or two later, they kind of had to finish the season. The last big game they had was on the road against Oklahoma. Oklahoma already had at least one loss. Um, but they were still in the mix in terms of Big 12 Championship and possible national championship. And they got destroyed. They just it just, it, they got destroyed. And Ooh. it just felt like for a team that had so many games to get up for, this last one was just a little too much. They're a great Mm -hmm. team, they're a great story, great players, but just not enough against a team that was that deep, that talented. You know, Oklahoma, those teams were just loaded, you know, during that era. And that's what this game feels like to me. It feels like this is Texas Tech riding high after Krabsy runs it in against Texas, now having to do it again against Oklahoma. And now this time on the road, and it's a lot different story. It's a team that's Used to playing in these kind of big games, used to playing against this kind of uh, uh, this kind of talent, and 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 rises up to the occasion. That's just the feeling I get, and that pains me because again, I really want Tennessee to win. That's the feeling I get uh, with this game. I, I, I think Georgia may win this one, and I think they may win it fairly comfortably. I don't think it'll be a blowout like that. That they, I mean, Texas Tech lost by like three touchdowns, but I, I think could they win by double digits this weekend? I could see that. I really could.
1: Mm teams I mean,
0: riding I see, this I, high if they ride the, if they
1: win this game then they could they should they should run the table i agree and i mean i i mean i could it's just funny because this is so back and forth i could see that happening too both of these teams are so good you know it's it's really anything could happen and and one thing for me that i'm really looking at is hendon hooker i think a lot of this this heisman hendon this yes kind of gets brings me again back to 2019 a little bit where people didn't know about this Joe Burrow guy, you know is he, you know his stats are crazy is this is this real like is this real are we gonna yeah. find out in this game if this is real that's kind of the feeling I have where I'm just like am I gonna because I have I'm this it's funny then I was I wasn't the doubter I was like nah no, this guy is this guy's very legit but this time I'm like I don't know is Hendon Hooker like is he really like everyone's talking about like Heisman and all this stuff. like, is this, now I'm, I'm the doubter. I'm like, is this guy, can he really lead this team? Like, like to a, to a national champion, like, can he do this? And I just, I just see if he proves me wrong. See if he can just do it, you know, and that'll be incredible. But I'm looking at him a lot. I feel like a lot of this is going to ride on him. He's, he's been so, he's been so incredible this season. Um, though he has made a couple of mistakes, I saw him make a couple of mistakes here and there. Um, but so, and and but he's but you could tell he was bothered by it, that. He's probably looking at film and whatnot to try to correct it. But but it's the I think he's going to be a catalyst here as well. If he can play well, then I I don't see them losing. I think they're going to win.
0: Yeah, I mean he's been what the to me the story of the Cosmo Plus season in my opinion. So. Mm. You're right. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of this game is gonna come down to him. <sighs> I can't wait. This is this is gonna be another movie. I, t- I said that when Tennessee played Alabama, I tweeted this game is gonna be a movie. This is also gonna be a movie. Acting is gonna be on fire. This is what college football is all about. I gotta get to some of these games, man. Like I gotta. Like I don't know. You know, obviously a Miami Hurricane fan, not necessarily the greatest home field advantage, playing at Hard Rock, uh, in like a sixty percent filled stadium if we're lucky. But, I mean, these games in Rocky Top, in Athens, uh, you know, the scene that we've, we've seen in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan, some of these games recently, the Happy Valley I thought was amazing, that Ohio State game this weekend. I got to get to some of these games, man. This is, It just feels like a different atmosphere, for a different energy. And um, I do want to say one thing real quick before we get out of here. Um, one, I want to give a shout-out to those players at Michigan who were assaulted I didn't have this written down, so I'm kind of go off the cuff. But shout out to yeah, the players in yeah. Michigan who was assaulted by Michigan State players uh, after the game. That was really ugly. Um, that's yes. not something that yeah. obviously anybody can condone yeah. or to yeah, or yeah or or find acceptable in the lens of sports. Um, really disappointing from the Michigan State team. Hopefully, anybody that's hold accountable, anybody that was was responsible, is held accountable. And you know, I'm, I'm hopeful those guys. Uh, who now have this kind of on their, you know, on of resume is not the word, but it's just something that we're going to think about now. These players from Michigan that you know got jumped by guys that from Michigan State, and I mean, they are all on camera. Like that's not something anybody wants to be known for. So I'm, I'm praying for those guys that they're able to continue their careers and continue their lives on campus and everything be good with them. And I do uh, also want to just give a housekeeping note on Kyrie Irving because there was a. A statement that was put out, so I just want to make sure I read that just so that we're covered on that front because I don't want to make it sound like we ignored uh, the statement. So um, the Nets, uh, Kyrie Irving, and the Anti-Defamation League put out a joint statement in part saying that Kyrie Irving and the Nets will each donate $500,000 towards uh, causes and organizations that work to eradicate hate and intolerance in our communities. Within this statement, Kyrie Irving uh, said within it, quote, I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I am aware of the negative impact of my post towards the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. I do not believe everything said in the documentary was true or reflects my morals and principles. I am a human being learning from all walks of life, and I intend to do so with an open mind and a willingness to listen. So from my family and I, we meant no harm to any one group race or religion of people and wish only to wish to only be a beacon of truth and light. So that is uh the statement from Kyrie Irving. Um there is no apology in there for what it's worth. I, I think it like obviously he's gonna uh, donate five hundred thousand dollars. Um he said that he quote uh he's aware of the negative impact and that it was not his intent. There is not an I'm sorry or I apologize for the actions that he did, or he regretted it even. Um, he did clarify that not everything said in the document he believed to be true or reflect his morals. So that's where Kyrie stands. Um, this is a very new statement, I think it came out just a half hour ago, so I, we don't have any real fallout from it. Uh, at least, and as someone else noted, shout out to Tommy Beer, uh, he did not, uh, talk at all about the conspiracy Alex Jones part of this. This was, I guess only the, the, the video that
1: he was talking about, but do you have
0: any thoughts on it before we leave?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's something, um, as you noted, you know, he still didn't apologize. Um, I'm sure if anyone brings it up, any other reporter, um, you know, brings it up. He'll be belligerent about it, and you know, and and um, I think he's shown us who he is. I, I think when people show you who they are, believe them. Uh, Kyrie's shown us quote. who he is, and we should believe that. That's. I mean, I feel like I. I feel like I'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. Um. You know, he's donating a tiny portion, tiny, tiny portion of his money. Uh, to yeah, he's, a, he's a $38 million. A tiny portion year. of his money. He doesn't care about that money. He's donating a tiny portion of his money uh, to these causes. Um, and he's giving, you know, non-apologies um, out in statements. Um, you know, hopefully it repairs some of the hurt that he's caused. And, uh, you know, I hope the league, uh, you know, goes further than they have in in making making it clear that they don't support what Kyrie Irving. My naming Kyrie Irving, saying they don't support what he said, um, and that you know, just just make a stronger statement. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about that. It's it's good that he said something. He he said something. Um, in the Nets, I suppose, but I don't have any faith in the Nets as an organization at this point either. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But, you know, it's not enough. We know who Kyrie is at this point. It's been years, and I don't think he's going to change.
0: Yeah, I think you – I think it's uh, well said, everything you just said, and I pretty much co-sign it. So um, I guess I'm glad something was done. But for this happened this late, uh, for this apology to be so – whatever i mean i can't call an apology it's just a statement um a statement of action i guess you would say and a statement of clarification but yeah like you said he is who he is he's shown us so it's kind of where we guess we gotta leave it so that'll do it for this edition of new generation sports talk i enjoyed having Shamar in the show i hope you guys enjoyed as well listening to us of course, if you enjoyed this show, you can check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Tune in. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us uh, there, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media: we're Twitter New Generation Pod, Instagram New Generation Podcast, and Facebook New Generation Media. Also, follow us individually on social media. You can find Shamari on Twitter, or excuse me, on uh, Instagram and Snapchat MPChan22. You can find me on Twitter EG underscore Stewart and Instagram, Action EJ. That'll do it for now. Take it easy, guys. Peace.